Lord together. This is such a, a sacred place and a sacred time for us to be together in God's word, singing his praises and fellowship in prayer together. You know, I can look back vividly at a time in my life when I was 21 years old. And I remember I was just overcome with fear. And the fear was that I was, I was going to make a mess of my life, right? You know, you're kind of realizing, whoa, I've got to grow up and be an adult. And I just felt like I knew the life that, that I was called to live by God. I wanted to live that life. And I just felt like I couldn't do it. Like, it was just going to go bad. And there were many things that added to that. I, I was distracted, right, by things and... And maybe those distractions were keeping me from the most important things. I was also starting to take on some leadership. I was a resident assistant, so, you know, a floor of guys were looking up to me as their leader. I was starting to lead worship. And so my peers were, you know, I felt like, wow, I need to, I need to be living what I'm preaching and, and my seeking of God. Um, I was working for a street ministry with kids, um, weekly and wittier and looking back on it you could say I, I was probably experiencing a little bit of burnout like i wasn't putting into my life the things that were needed in order to be giving out as much as i was giving out in that moment and <clears throat> i remember watching a movie also at the same time that was highly critical of the christian faith and it, it was casting it in a negative light and it just put these doubts in my heart that i couldn't shake and I was struggling with that. And at the same time, I had a close friend who was really starting to compromise morally. I just started to see him kind of drifting. And so I had that fear, like, is this going to happen to me? I knew what God wanted. I knew what I wanted. And I wanted what God wanted. And I just didn't, I wasn't so sure I was going to be able to get that or to have that. And then... I read something in God's word that absolutely changed my life, and it was in 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm so excited that this is where we are right now as a church. We're in God's word in 2 Peter 1, and we're looking at these marvelous truths that met me at that deep place of need as I was trying to forge my way into this world as an adult. And that same truth is here for us, whether you, you might be uh, even younger than I was, or you might be in your 80s and you've been walking with the Lord that long. This truth is critical for us to understand and apply. We're in a sermon series. You just saw the bumper video. It's entitled, You Can Have It All. All refers to a thriving, growing, purpose-filled life that makes a significant impact on others. It's a life that is effective, it's productive, it's secure and, and, and uh, stable. It's a life that matters, and it's a life that finishes well. Peter summarizes this life by calling it a godly life. And he tells us it is totally possible to live it because we've got everything that we need. And then he says in verse 5, and this is kind of what we're looking at today, for this reason, this is on the screens, 
Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Today we're looking at the word knowledge. Last week, Pastor Doug brought us into this, taught us from this God's word about goodness. And if you, got, if you have the notes on the back, there's kind of a summary of where we've been and where we're going today. And the definition that Pastor Doug gave us is goodness is excellence, being all that I can be as a believer, fulfilling my divine calling to be a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I was looking for at 21, right? Is I wanted to be that. <clears throat> and that's what God wants for us. And today, he says you need to add to that goodness, to that desire and, and, and seeking to be all that God wants us to be. We need to add knowledge. In fact, I almost think like he says you need to add goodness and then realizes, whoa, if you're going to add goodness, you actually need to also add knowledge. I think there is a little bit of a progression in his thinking as he wrote this. That knowledge is incredibly important. So next, this week, we're adding knowledge. But this knowledge is about learning. We know that that's how you increase knowledge, is that you set yourself out to learn. But this is knowledge that's way more than just information. Is that what he means? Just kind of learn as much information as you can about God? No, this knowledge that we're talking about actually draws us into knowing God. And as we're drawn into knowing God, we can be transformed. We can be renewed. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is, is this knowledge. So before we jump in, let's pause and let's pray. And then we'll uh, go further into the scriptures. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in our lives as believers, as maybe seekers, maybe people who are not believers at all, and yet here we are today, tuning in to uh, worship service. Um, God, I thank you that you've drawn each one of us here, and that as we sang that song, God, that you do speak, and we already prayed, God, that you would fulfill your purposes in us through your holy word as you're speaking to us today. So God, would you open our ears and our minds and our hearts to receive from you what you have to say. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So it's important as we contemplate this command, right? Here it is. Make every effort to add to your faith knowledge. That's what we're thinking about today. It's important as we think about that command that we actually define what Peter meant by knowledge, right? We got to figure out what it is that we're being asked to add to our faith. And then we need to figure out what does it look like to make every effort to do that. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going today, those two main things. What, what is knowledge and what does it look like for me right where I'm at today, in my life stage, in my walk with the Lord, wherever I'm at, what does it look like for me to be making every effort to add knowledge to my faith? So first we ask, what is knowledge? Now here's the crazy thing. The entire content of Peter's letter 
is framed by this concept and importance of knowledge. So right out the gates in verse 2, he says, May um, grace and peace abound through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So right from the beginning, his blessing is that our knowledge of God would, would, would make grace and peace abound in our lives. And then he, he gives us all of his letter, and he gets to the very last verse. His last closing application is this. <clears throat> Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this word, knowledge, that we're looking at is so important to Peter that he opens the letter with it and he closes the letter with it. So... This is not going to be, hopefully, too hard to figure out what does he mean by knowledge. And here it is. We're going to see that the knowledge people is referring to, Peter is referring to is knowing God through the person of Jesus Christ. And that's on your screen for in your notes. Knowledge is knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says that it's through this knowledge that, we, that God gives us everything that we need for a godly life. It's through that knowledge. And so Peter's using this word to talk about coming to know Jesus as Lord. It's, he's talking about actually coming to a faith, coming to a saving relationship with Jesus. It's where it all starts. It's where all of these things are given to us. And he's saying at the end, now that you've got that, grow. Keep adding to it. So the first thing we need to know, let's, let's go to the verse that's just before to see this, is in, in verse 3 where he says this. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So everything we need for living a godly life is given us through knowing Jesus. It's like the, the power outlets, I was thinking of this, the power outlets have all the electricity that's needed to power these uh, boxes so that they work and produce the sounds they're supposed to produce. And so the, the actual power's there, it's been given and it's given through the knowledge. It's like the knowledge is plugging in the cable, right, that brings it to the boxes. So the knowledge is kind of like this conduit. It's what brings the, this divine power of God to, and, and all these things that we need to live a godly life. It comes through our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> looking a little bit into the wording that Peter uses, he uses this word knowledge seven times, two times in our passage, right? Add to goodness, knowledge, add to knowledge, self-control. That's two times. But he, five other times he uses knowledge, and every time he uses the object, knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowledge of God and, and our Savior Jesus, knowledge of him who called us. So when Peter talks about knowledge, he's talking about knowing Jesus. So he uses these, these words. They're very, very closely related. 
in, in our knowledge of him has given us everything we need. He uses the word epignosis. And then grow in knowledge, he uses the word gnosis. So they're cl closely related words. And scholars have asked, is there a difference that matters here? And they actually have arrived to the idea that maybe there is. And this is important. And so it's on the slide um, from a commentary. While in some contexts the meanings of the two words for knowledge and their respective verbs overlap, recent study indicates sometimes the term for knowledge that Second Peter uses here in verse 3, epignosis, can mean coming to know. And this is appropriate for knowledge that leads to or is gained in conversion. So when, when Peter's saying everything's been given to you, he's saying it's given to you because you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's, he's talking about that moment where you became a follower of Jesus. So it's interesting, and it's actually thrilling, that what, what Peter's saying is you've been given all this, now you need to add knowledge to it. And he uses another, the other form, gnosis, which kind of seems to mean more of an experiential, relational growth in actually knowing God. Intimate knowledge is what he's saying we need to grow in. So it all begins, though, with the knowledge that leads to faith. If you and I don't have that knowledge, we haven't yet plugged that cable in, right? We haven't been given everything that we need for life and godliness or for living a godly life. And so my question to you today is, have you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Have you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And if you have, how do you explain that moment? And it's a process, and it's a very different process for every person. But how would you explain the moment that, yes, I've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? Here are some things that I've heard, phrases you're going to hear around the church all the time, right? I gave my life to Jesus. I became a believer, right? Talking about that moment of conversion into the Christian faith and life. I invited Jesus into my heart, right? I confessed Jesus as Lord. I became a child of God. But if we were to ask Peter, Peter, how do you describe that moment? Peter would say this, I came to know Jesus, my Lord and Savior, right? To Peter, coming to faith is coming to know God, the creator of the universe and his son, Jesus. And it's no surprise because Jesus himself said, this is eternal life. This is from John 17, 3. Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So Jesus defined eternal life, the gift he came to give, the gift he died and was raised to give to the world, eternal life, is knowing him. I had the privilege a few weeks ago out on the plaza between services. This was uh, January 14th, and there was a, a man and, and his young friend, and he was taking him around, and he was introducing him to everybody, and he was saying, hey, he just chose to follow Jesus. He's in. He's part of the family of God now. And, and so you're seeing all these little like celebrations on the plaza as, as he's taking him around and introducing him as a brand new follower of Jesus. 
And that was such a privilege. My heart was, was just so full of joy to see their joy and to enter into that and welcome this new brother into the family of God. But at the moment that he came to know Jesus, right, it was a process for him. He'd been meeting and he'd been in the word of God with this man weekly since October. And then January 14th, he would say, I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And at that moment that he confessed Jesus as Lord of his life, God, through his divine power, gave him everything he needed to live a godly life. Was he living it? Probably not, right? But now there's this transformation that had already started to happen and will continue to happen. But he has to keep adding knowledge to the knowledge that he already has. It's not like you're saved and you can kind of check that box off and then go and live your life the way, whatever way you want to live it. No. We talked about salvation. It's a, it's a repentance. It's, it's, it's a turning away from a life of sin, a life of unbelief, and it's turning towards God, saying, I believe that you are Lord, and I will choose to follow you all my life. And that's what happened and then the transformation happens, but it happens not by brute force and effort. It happens by coming to know Jesus more. And that's what Peter's talking about. Paul was a very religious man, the Apostle Paul, right? He thought he was serving God by persecuting Christians until he had this dramatic conversion experience on the road to Damascus. Many years later, he's reflecting on his life before before he came to faith in, in Jesus, before he knew Jesus as his Lord. And, and he says about his life at the time, I consider everything a loss because of this surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Peter, Paul, knew that knowing Jesus was everything. So jumping back into the passage today, we're told to make every effort to add knowledge to the knowledge that, the saving knowledge that we already have. And that is a great way to define the Christian life. Now, knowledge is just one of seven things, but it's the one that we're looking at today. So, for those of us who've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, we're being told, add more. Come to know him more intimately. It's what, it's, it's what God wants for our lives. There's always more to know. And knowing God is a delight. No one can ever plumb the depths of the knowledge of God. Right? The psalmist, I love it, Nicolette, that you read this psalm. The psalmist in 139 says, such knowledge, just talking about how, how intimately God knows him, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful to me. It's too high. I can't attain it. The apostle Paul, when he's, he's talking, he's praying for believers. He says, oh, that you might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Using that word. You, you, that you would know this love that, that can never be, you can never plumb the depths of it. To be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what the Apostle Paul says. You guys, we at Trinity Church are setting our hearts on growing in discipleship in 2024. We've identified 
four branches of discipleship. We walked through those back in October, and, and many ministry teams right now are, over the next weeks, are meeting to look at these things and say, God, how are we doing? How am I doing growing in these areas as a follower of you? And the first area is this one. Everything depends on it. Everything grows and flourishes if this branch of knowing God and this pursuit of fellowship with God, intimate relationship, if that is growing, everything else just starts working right. Everything else grows out of that. And that is uh, just a beautiful thing that we get to experience. So in conclusion, here's the definition of knowledge, right, that Peter would give to us, and it's on the back of your sheet. It's an intimate face-to-face -face understanding of God in the person of Jesus Christ that strengthens my trust in him and brings my, to my life the raw power of God for renewal and change. That's the definition of what Peter is saying. Now add that to your faith. But he doesn't just say add it. He doesn't just, he says, make every effort to add that to your faith. And so I want to think about that next part, is what does it look like in, in my life and in your life to make every effort right now, today, tomorrow, to add knowledge to our faith? And the answer is we go to the source of knowledge, the Word of God. We go to the source of knowledge. It's the Bible. And we're going to work it out. Well, how do we do that? But, but folks... We live in a world that is really confused about truth. And that confusion isn't just out there, right? It infiltrates the church. And as a church, we, as people who are, who are going to make every effort to add to our faith knowledge, we need to be going after the right kind of knowledge of what is, who is God? What's he really like? What's he up to in this world? What has he given me? What does he expect of me? That's the knowledge of God. So we need to go to the source of knowledge, the word of God. And here's the crazy thing, you guys. This is exactly what Peter goes to next in 1 Peter. So take a look at 1 Peter 1. We're going to jump to verse 16. All he does in between here is he... He taught, before he gets there, he basically says, this is, this is the most important thing for me to communicate to you because I'm about to die. So he elevates it as like, this is, this is the most important thing that I want you to know. And then he says, and here's where it comes from. Here's where knowledge comes from. Verse 16. We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable as you would do well to pay attention to it as to a light 
shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, we must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter, basically, after telling us, add all these things and, and highlighting this all comes through knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord is what, what kind of opens our lives up to these resources so we can live a godly life. He says, that knowledge comes through the word of God. And I love how Peter addresses this. He starts with the apostles, right? He says, we. And he says, we were eyewitnesses. So we were actually there. We knew Jesus. We walked with him, right? John, in the very next book, is going to open it, saying what we saw with our eyes, what we heard with our ears, what we touched with our hands concerning the word of life, we're going to bring to you. The, the, the apostles were the eyewitnesses to bring the truth of who Jesus is to the world. And where do we find their witness? Where do we find their eyewitness account? In the scriptures, and what part of the scriptures? The gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And then the, the, the scriptures contain also these letters that are where the apostles are trying to help the church work out what Jesus taught and understanding and coming to know Jesus more. And Peter's one of those uh, letters that is included in the New Testament. Okay, so we've been given the New Testament, but Peter goes on to say that their eyewitness account is just confirming the source that they already had. The prophetic scriptures, right? The, the word of God he's referring to at the time of writing the Hebrew scriptures. And he says you would do well to pay attention to it as well, right? This is where truth is found. And I, I love what he says. So here we have the whole Bible, right? We have the New Testament, the eyewitness accounts from, from the apostles, and now we've got the Old Testament, the prophetic word of God. And he's saying, pay attention to it. But there are just three points I want to look at real quickly here. He says, first of all, it is completely reliable. Did you catch that? What, isn't that nice? When you listen to the news today, do you ever think that it's reliable? <laughs> as much as I think, man, I'd like that to be true, I'm always kind of like, I don't know. They could be spinning it, right? No, no, the Apostle Peter says it's completely reliable. And you guys, in in, in the, theological circles, we call that the inerrancy of Scripture. It is inerrant, without error. The, the Word of God, in other words, does not say anything wrong or untrue. Number two, he says you would do well to pay attention to it. And then it's like this fisherman turned uh, theologian turns into a poet. And he writes this beautiful poetic line of, of how the word of God actually accesses our hearts, right? It moves from knowledge into a heart kind of intimate relationship. And I love this. I really think it's almost like the progression of how a person comes to know Jesus. Watch it. He says this. He says, it's like a light that shines in the darkness, right? It's like it, it, truth bursts 
onto the scene, into the darkness of, of, um, of, of falsehood, of lies, of ignorance, right? Truth breaks in. And then he says, and the day dawns. The light, you start to see the light. The truth of God starts to take hold of your life and you go, could this really be true? Is this really who Jesus is? And then I love the last one. He says, until the morning star rises in your hearts. Isn't that beautiful? Until, it's almost like until God, the truth of God, you, you believe and faith is born and God is born in your heart. Like you have the Holy Spirit now living in your life. So Peter makes this beautiful picture, but he's not done yet. Then he says this. He says, while scripture is itself written by humans, these are people that have written the words down he says, they didn't write it. It's not their words. It's God's word. And he says it. He says that it was spoken by God through the Holy Spirit. So he's elevating scripture as the very words of God. And we use, uh, in, in theological, in the church, we use the word inspired by God. The scriptures are God-breathed through the Holy Spirit all of them, from Genesis to Revelation. So, here we have the scriptures. So if we want to make every effort to add to our knowledge, to add knowledge to our faith, we must saturate our lives in the word of God, with the word of God. If you want to know God, Peter's saying, you come to know him through the truth of scripture. So before we continue with some practical ways to do that, I want you to hear a three-minute clip from a podcast by Elisa Childers called, it, was, it literally played just two weeks ago, and it's called Start 2024 in the Word. And I want you to hear this interview. It's with Scott Lindsay. He is uh, from Logos Bible Software, and he's going to share uh, something really neat for us. So just take a listen, and then we'll pick back up. I wanted to share with all uh, everybody that's watching today some statistics. So, you know, we've spoke at numerous conferences together, and one of the things that I like to start with is what happens when we're in the Bible. So there was a massive study years ago, uh, and it was, I mean, 400,000 people participated in the study. So we're talking a substantial study. And then a lot of very smart people analyzed the data, looked through, again, what happens when we're in the Bible. Uh, and they discovered something that became kind of the highlight of the whole study. Uh, and basically, when we're in the Bible one time a week, it has negligible effect on some very big areas of our life. And I'll spell that out here in a moment. Two times a week, again, negligible effect. Three times a week, again, not much. But the profound discovery was when we're in the Bible at least four times a week. That was the number, four. And you wouldn't think that. You would think there'd be a gradual incline, right? One, two, three. No, it's kind of one, two, three flat. But at four times a week, this is what happens. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Uh, bitterness in relationships, especially marriage, drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Uh, sexual sins, such as pornography, that drops 60%. And the biggest decline 
was feeling distant from God, feeling spiritually stagnant. That dropped 62%. You know, I travel a lot. You know, I'm probably the frequent flyer mile king of logos. I think I'm at <laughs> two and a half million miles with United now. And and I have very candid conversations with a lot of people all over the world. And I've had a many, many people tell me, Scott, I feel distant from the Lord. I give him a big hug. But the first question I'm going to ask is, what does your week look like in the scripture? And Elise, I've never had anybody tell me that and then say, oh, but I'm in my Bible all the time. I'm in my men's Bible study, my women's Bible study. No, I've never heard anybody say that. So I love the fact that there's this massive study with literally like scientists kind of analyzing the data and what they found was the, the power of four. So later, again, not now, you can Google Bible engagement power of four to get the study. And it's a it's a 23 page PDF document, but uh, amazing to see again the effects of being in scripture. Now on the positive side, sharing your faith jumps 200% and then discipling others, your family, your coworkers, those that you do life with, that jumps 230%. So again, and I think we all know this, we need to be in the Bible consistently, but there's something about being in the scripture at least four times a week. Well, and that makes perfect sense because it's God's revelation of himself. If you feel distant from God, how do you get to know him? Well, you get to know him in his self-revelation, which is his word. And, um, oh, I just, I, I love. So I, I was blown away. I just heard that last night at 10, 10 p.m. <laughs> I came down to say goodnight to Julie, and uh, she, we started talking. She's like, man, I just heard this podcast last week. And I said, well, let's listen. So I got to bed a little bit late because it just stirred my heart. Uh, because I'm, I was thinking about what does it look like? to make every effort. You guys, that's what 2 Peter's calling us to, is to devotion, to zeal. And, and, and I, I listened to that, I thought, oh my word, you know, being in God's, like saturating my life in God's word is I think what it is the way that God would have me add knowledge to my faith. And there's a grace in that journey, you know? I, I talked to one of the band members that I just have to remind that is, as intentional as I want to be, that it's this delight. It's call a call to delight in the, the Lord, right? And to grow in intimacy. And yet there is an element of self-control that's required. Guess what Peter's going to say to add to our faith next week? Self-control, right? That says, hey, I'm going to prioritize time in the Word. Now, be, to finish here, um, I want to think of three ways that we can practically make every effort to add knowledge to our faith through the Word of God. And I, I love these three. So the first thing is, there, there are different ways to do this, but I believe with all my heart, I've had great conversations this week with, with brothers, uh, Steve Springstead um, especially uh, about this. I believe that first and foremost, the Lord provided a community of faith through which we can grow to know God and learn how to live in obedience to his commands. So this isn't a, hey, hunker up and alone and just try to figure this out, you and God and his word. I'm going to get to that, but I really believe it starts in this community. 
It starts with this weekly practice of coming and being taught from God's word. It, it starts with some of those of you who are going to go over and next hour you're going to be in the epistles class and you're walking through Romans. And some of you have been doing this kind of thing for 60 or 70 years. And you're still learning and going to God's word and wanting to know what does God have to say and I want to grow closer to him. And so we prioritize this community of faith. But the, the community has to be centered around Christ and his word. And you guys, that has been a core value of Trinity Church from the very first day it was founded in 1980. And by God's grace, we are going to hold that, that core value. And we're going to keep putting the word of God as, and Christ at the center of what we do as a, as a community of faith. So this is the first place that it happens. And what do we get, you guys? We don't just get church on Sundays. We get home groups during the week. We get Bible studies where we're just digging in, where people with the gift of, of wisdom, of knowledge of God, maybe the gift of teaching are helping to facilitate those times. And so we get these gifts of, of the body of Christ that are helping edify and grow us. This is what the body of Christ was made for. This is why the Holy Spirit gave his gifts and gave his word. We get um, the worship service. We get worship music. You guys, I was thinking about how much of my view of God has been nurtured by the songs that we sing. And before that, by the songs I was listening to and that I listened to through Christian artists who are using the word of God to write songs that bring truth to people. This shaped my life from a junior high age up is just saturating my life in worship music. We also get Christian friendship, don't we? Mentoring. People who are going to walk alongside us, help us to grow in the faith. And it goes both ways, doesn't it? If you've mentored, that, that younger person in the faith is just fueling your desire to know God more through his word. Second thing is we need to spend time alone with God in his word. Okay, you knew I would get there. As his disciples, right, we're following Jesus. And what did Jesus prioritize? Do you know he prioritized going to synagogue every Sunday? Or, uh, should I go every Sabbath, Saturday? He prioritized that for his disciples. This, that was important to Jesus. What else was important? He always would sneak away to spend time with the Father. To the point where when he's teaching, this is in John 6, I think, maybe 8, he says, I don't say anything on my own accord. Everything I'm telling you, the Father has given me to tell you. So even Jesus modeled this perfect union with God, with the Father, this perfect intimacy, and he actually did things to grow that and to ensure it. So Jesus modeled time with God, and uh, we can do the same thing too. And so when we look at the word of God, I just would say we need to look for the wisdom of God for daily living, but the first thing we should look for is God himself. When I go to the scriptures, I want to come to know God better. It has to be our priority because that's what Peter says we should be adding to our faith. I've, I've mentioned worship music, books, 
I just put a slide up here. I'd love to tell you stories about every one of these books, but um, the one on the left, I, in the last years, I've, had, I've heard more people say that this book has helped me to know God better. The book Gentle and Lowly is, is a book where the author looks at this invitation to Jesus to come, come to me and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. And it's this beautiful book. It looks through the whole scriptures at God, his, God's gentle and humble heart. And not everybody knows God that way, but that's the way he is. And so the, the books that we have are, are brothers and sisters of Christ that, that are giving a gift to us. They're inviting us to a deeper knowledge of God through their study and through what they've written. And then I would add at the end, sermons and podcasts. We can saturate our lives in the word of God. And that's what, what the second way is, you know, time alone with God, in a car, working out, in a chair, early morning, at night before you hit, hit the hay, spend time with God in his word. And then lastly, is we can love God through obedience to his word. Right? The first two are on intake, Right? I want to I take in the word of God. I want to be a hearer. What does James say? Don't merely be a hearer of God's word. Be a doer. And so one of the beautiful ways I come to know God is by aligning my life with his word and living in obedience. His greatest command is love one another. Right? We can work every day on that one. And let the Spirit of God help us to love the people he's put into our lives. Or to even love the people that he's calling us to go to with the good message of Jesus. So our obedience includes everything that God's called us to. Here's what God has to say. This is Jesus. I, I love what Jesus has to say about obedience. This is John 14, verse 15. He says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him that's the word no you know him for he lives with you and will be in you and now we know that he lives with us and is in us, right? Holy Spirit's been given to us. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So folks, this is how we love Jesus, is by our obedience. Isn't that how you get close to somebody, is by loving them? But I love this, it goes both ways. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I'm going to reveal myself more. You're going to come to know me more as you obey my commands. So those are the just three practical ways we can live our lives, making every effort to add to our faith knowledge. So in closing, I ask the question, why should I make every effort? Why should I do this? And uh, I'm going to go back to the promises that Peter gave and it's just simply this, in order to live well and finish well, in your notes, in order to live well and finish well. 
The context of this passage, Pastor Doug gave it to us last week, is living in these last days, right? These days from the, the resurrection and ascension of Christ in this, in this era of the gospel going out to the nations. We are still in those last days. And Peter paints a really harsh picture in, in chapter 2 of the fact that you have got to grow in knowledge because there is a lot of false knowledge out there. And it is corrupt. And he wants, he wants us as believers to avoid the pitfalls of the, of the knowledge that's out there. The way we, we do that is by knowing the truth. God gives us his spirit of truth. God gives us the word of truth. A community that's centered around the truth. But I love this. He says, pursuing knowledge of God as he reveals himself, it not only protects us from false knowledge, but it protects us from falling away from the faith, right? That fear that I had as a 21-year-old. No fear, right? Keep growing in knowledge. God's given me everything I need. Second, it keeps me from facing the judgment of God. This is all in chapter two, by the way. It keeps me from ending bad. I want to end well, right? And he says, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Kind of this awful picture that he gives. He says, don't start growing in Christ and then ditch, ditch him. That's just a horrible image. Peter says this, and he says, constantly growing in knowledge is how we live well and finish well. And so I want to end with Peter's last words, right? I, we referred to them at the beginning. Here's the very end of the passage. In verse 17, he says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. And so steady and continuous growth in our relationship with God not only benefits us, more importantly, it brings praise to God. So, in closing, let's not forget the promises if we do these things. When I was 21 years old, I typed up 1 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, and I printed it out in dot matrix printer, and I put it on my college door because I wanted to see that every time I'd walk in and out of my room, that I didn't have to be afraid of not, having, of not having this life that I knew God was calling me to live. I could live in confidence. And so I, I typed it up. And then in 1990s, I got Microsoft Publisher. And I thought, I'm going to improve on that with a little word art. Huh? Come on. And I made this. And I have kept this with me every year since then. For over two decades, I carry this with me to remind myself of the lesson I learned and of my commitment but more so God's promises. And so I just want to close with those and then I'll pray. Here they are at the bottom. If you possess these qualities, knowledge being one of them, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do these things, you will never fall. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. God, thank you that you've given us everything that we need through coming to know you as our Lord and Savior. 
God, that's all grace. It's nothing that we could earn. It's nothing that we deserve. It's all your unconditional love for, for us. It's all given to us through Christ. And so, God, we thank you that we can know him. We can be in relationship with you. We have a whole lifetime to grow deeper in intimacy and knowing you more and how that works itself out in the way that we're living, in our obedience. God, would you do that in our lives? Wherever we're at today, God, meet us there with your grace, with your truth. Thank you for this community of faith where we get to live this out. God, we want to honor you because you're worthy of all praise forever and ever. So God, please do this in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor.